Hello, all. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are listening to this podcast. Let me give you a heads up before we go any further. This will this will be a PG-13 podcast, and, and I'll be talking about physical intimacy within the marriage relationship and some of its distortions. And so let that be your clue as to where you want to listen to this podcast, when you want to listen to it, perhaps if you want to listen to it. Again, this will be a a PG-13 podcast on on physical intimacy within the marriage. I am so glad that you have joined me, and I want to talk about this super sensitive subject. Uh, it is something that we don't normally discuss, that Christians do not normally discuss, but it is vital because many times it's at the heart of some of the marriage problems that we have. And so I'm going to get into this in just a moment, but I want to say thank you to Dwayne. Dwayne is a supporter of our ministry, and he he posted this comment just today. He said, Godly biblical information that goes to the core. By its nature, it goes against our culture and challenges us to live daily under God and His Word. It's not easy, but the effort to be obedient is worth it. Dwayne, thank you so much for that kind comment about our ministry. I am so grateful uh, that you think that way and also grateful that you support us. Albert, thank you for your gift that came in yesterday. Thank you for your donation. You know who you are. I am appreciative for your kindness. It is helping us to perpetuate this ministry, to keep moving along and to incorporate things that are needful in order for us to not only sustain, but also to reach people with the practical message of Jesus Christ. And so thank you so much, Albert, and Dwayne, thank you as well. If you want to read this article, I would love for you to do that. It is sitting on our website, rickthomas.net. Here's the title of the article and the podcast, Biblical Sexuality and Its Distortions from Bad to good. Physical intimacy in a marriage is a vital assessment of how a couple relates to each other. The challenge is, for all of us, and I do understand this as well as anyone, that the challenge is having transparent conversations about their sexual relationship. The downside is, if, if you leave these conversations unattended, Sexual desires rarely cease, but they can take on distortions that adversely impact the couple. Mabel found herself in this unenviable situation with her husband, Biff. Here's how it went. Hello, Mabel. How can I help you? I feel like a Christian prostitute. And with that, your counseling session begins. Mabel has been married for 27 years, most of which has been one series of miscommunication after another. She says her husband, Biff, seems to have one thing on his mind, and the only time he is consistently kind to her is when he wants to be intimate. When Biff does not get the intimacy he craves, he pouts at best and gets angry at worst. Sometimes she will yield to his cravings, but finds no pleasure in the act. 
It is the only way she knows to bring temporary peace to their unhappy home. It's an endless cycle, pouting, anger, sex, pleasant, pleasantness, pouting, anger, sex, pleasantness, ad nausea. Mabel said it this way, I know I'm part of the problem, and by the way, that is a very good thing to say. This is a complex matter, and, and she understands that she's not just the victim, but, but she's also a sinning victim, that she's culpable, not in the ways that Bilf is. I'm not saying that at all, but you, you have enough wisdom to know that it takes two to uh, bring a marriage to this point. Biff's sins and hers are different, and that's why she humbly stated, I know I'm part of the problem, but it cannot be all my fault, and no, it's not, Mabel. I would love to be intimate with my husband and enjoy it, but right now I do not see the light at the end of this hopeless tunnel. I honestly feel like a Christian prostitute. Physical intimacy within the marriage bond is one of God's blessings to his creation. It is the way that a man and a woman can experience an undefiled intimate relationship. Unfortunately, because of sin, what the good Lord intended to be a beautiful thing has been distorted into various iterations of what I call false intimacy. The Hebrew writer said this in 13.4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Mabel presents what an almost unresolvable problem could be in a marriage. It's not irreparable. I don't want you to hear that because of the hope and the helps the good Lord brings to his children, but her situation is hard. There are times in some discipleship situations where God's best is not likely to happen, at least not from a human perspective. And apart from a divine miracle, Mabel is presenting one of these relational situations. If her goal is biblical intimacy, which should be the aim She's a long way from ever attaining God's best in the marriage bed because she is only half of the equation. It always takes two cooperative people to repair relational problems. I am not generally a negative person. That is just not how I roll. But I have counseled many people like Mabel. And apart from God's intervening grace and Biff's cooperation... It will be a challenge for her marriage to ever get to the biblical norm. At least three things will have to happen. Number one, Biff will need to show up for counseling. He's got to show up until he decides he needs help, wants help, comes for help, and responds biblically to help. The marriage will always be dysfunctional. I'm not saying that counseling is the only answer because it's not. He's going to need counseling plus a lot of ongoing discipleship, both, both of them. But what I am saying is he, need, he needs help, and he must cooperate. The second thing, the main problem in the marriage is not their sexual dysfunction, though that is what Mabel presented when she entered the counseling office. 
Biff and Mabel have several underlying unresolved issues. For example, they carry a lot of anger and unforgiveness in their hearts, which they do express occasionally to each other. The sexual problems are the tip of the iceberg, but not the most significant part of the ice. I said it will be a challenge for, to, for them to get their marriage to a biblical norm. And in order to do that, at least three things have to happen. One, Biff has to show up for counseling. Two, the main problem in the marriage is not sexual dysfunction. They have to get at all the layers. And number three, the gospel does not define their marriage because what they have is decidedly other-centered. For different reasons... Biff and Mabel are self-centered. And though it doesn't matter who fired the first shot, as you get underneath these other layers that are underneath the presenting problem of a sexual issues, sexual intimacy within a marriage, you're not looking for who fired the first shot or who is the wrongest. The truth is that both of them need to respond correctly to God and to each other. Now, there are many angles to this counseling problem. I am not going to address all of them in this podcast. But what I want to do is to give you a helpful understanding of sexual distortions in relationships. In many cases, when a man is not sexually intimate with his wife, it is because he's finding satisfaction in other ways. Now, in the end of this podcast, I will present what should be the biblical norm for sexuality in relationships, the place where Biff and Mabel need to be. But first, I want us to look at sex and sexuality from a bird's-eye view, a spectrum view, because you must not dismiss any of these distortions as inhibitors in their marriage. When it comes to sex and sexuality within a relationship and you have these types of problems you need to address all the possibilities of, of how sexuality or how sex is being played out in their relationship, meaning not with each other. Now, let me give you a caveat here. All of these sexual distortions that I'm going to present to you are equally sinful because sin is sin. But listen, I want you to hear this, but they are different from a consequential perspective. Equally sin, no matter what it is, but different consequentially. For example, a man in adultery and a man masturbating is similarly sinful, but consequentially different. And so please keep that caveat in mind. I want to give you a list of sexual distortions that you have to consider because you want to give comprehensive care to this couple who is struggling sexually. And so... I will, I will give you these sexual distortions, and then I will end with the goal for Biff and Mabel. The first one here is homosexuality, being gay. I begin here, rather than with the more perverse sexual acts in, in which some people engage, like bestiality. And so this sexual distortion, homosexuality, is a distortion of physical intimacy on, on many levels. And the primary way it distorts biblical sex is that, is that God made sex for a man and a woman rather than between two men or between two women. 
And I'm bringing this up because I have had situations where I've counseled people with sexual dysfunction in their marriage and come to find out that one of the spouses was gay. And I realize our culture mocks my view on sex in their movies and and their social grandstanding. But God indeed made sex for Adam and Eve, not Adam and another male. This truth is so apparent that it can boggle the mind as to why there is an argument about sexual distortions. But, But I do get it. I do understand the deceptiveness and the addictiveness of sin, You should also understand the deceptiveness and addictedness of sin, which is why you and I should not have any rocks to toss at at any gay image bearer. The truth is, I have long-standing sin patterns in my life that have been hard to overcome, not struggling with any kind of gay issues, but struggling with sin. You remember what I said Sin is equal in that any sin will put Christ on the cross. I am well aware that they are different consequentially. But my point here is that we can't have rocks to toss because we are equally guilty before God. It's intellectually dishonest and self-righteously arrogant to look down on those who struggle with this sin whether it's because of how they came into the world or the shaping influences that have lured them to where they are today. In fact, if you click on a link here embedded in this section, it will take you to an article titled, The Gay Guy Said I Was Born This Way, and it would be an important read because people do come into the world with a tendency uh, towards same-sex attraction. And so one sexual distortion is homosexuality that you do want to address. A second one that would probably be more obvious to most people is adultery. And equally sinful, but excuse me, but less distorted act of false intimacy is when a man or a woman has sex with someone other than their spouse, the opposite gender. And though they are having sex, they are 180 degrees from God's intent God's intention. They are not less guilty or more righteous than a gay couple but merely sinning in a different way. And just like the gay couple, the adulterous couple is choosing to defame God's name by securing sexual intimacy outside of God's ordained plan. They do this in defiance of God and a total disregard for the marriage covenant while dragging God's holy name through the mud. And though you do not want to accuse Biff of being gay or committing adultery, and you most definitely do not want to be suspicious of him, you must not dismiss these possibilities. Discernment does not mean being cynical or suspicious. You want to be wise when doing soul care. My next third sexual distortion is fornication. Fornication is a twisted kind of morality where two people do not want to honor God by entering into a a covenant with Him, choosing to enjoy the benefits of sex without God's blessing. They, They call it a relationship with benefits, which is a person's way of mocking biblical propriety. Just as all sex outside of marriage is selfish, the unmarried couple who chooses to live together 
is making additional selfish choices that stack on top of the intimacy problem, the fornication. For example, they refuse to commit to God. They refuse to commit to each other. They enjoy sex while keeping one foot out the door. Perchance, the relationship does not work out. Part of their selfishness works out with their easy-come, easy-go attitude toward each other, and you will find more issues, too. You see, if a person has no problem committing fornication, it won't be a stretch for him to commit adultery if he gets married. When the marriage becomes hard, which it will. I had a wife say that to me one time. She said, I don't understand why my, my husband committed adultery. Come to find out that they were that husband and wife were fornicating before they ever became husband and wife. And I tried to explain to her carefully, and, and not in an accusatory way, but in a way that you need to understand what y'all were doing before marriage. It's not a stretch if he's doing it then and has a total disregard for God. When the marriage becomes hard, don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility for him to do it again with another person. The title of this podcast is Biblical Sexuality and its Distortions from Bad to Good. There's a case study here between Biff and Mabel where Mabel says she feels like a Christian prostitute. And as a discipler, you want to get underneath uh, their sexual dysfunction within their marriage and try to identify some of the complicating issues that are involved. And one of the areas when it comes to sexual dysfunction is that you have to truly get into or do a, 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 a flyover without being suspicious or accusatory of other sexual possibilities that could be going on in the marriage. Because as I said, we don't stop being sexual beings just because we stop being intimate with our spouses. And so I'm giving you a list of sexual distortions that you will want to examine with discretion and, and with compassion, with carefulness, I mentioned homosexuality and adultery and, and fornication. Now I want to talk about solo sex. Solo sex is masturbation. Perhaps you, you have heard of the term sologamy. Uh, polygamy is when you have multiple wives. Sologamy is when you are married to yourself, which is a thing, as wild as that may sound to you. Well, solo sex is, is a, also what happens within a, a sologamous relationship, but it also, it also happens uh, for many of us, uh, whether we call ourselves sologamous or not. It's called masturbation. Rather than choosing to have sex with your spouse, this person decides to have sex with himself, which applies to women too. Masturbation is a form of homosexuality in that the person pleases himself sexually, a man satisfying a man, or a woman is the same woman satisfying herself. In most of the sexual marriage problems that I have seen, most of them had masturbation issues in play. And again, that's why you want to get underneath this and find out, has Biff just become a, a eunuch? Has he has no desire whatsoever for sexual intimacy? Probably not. And so you need to try to understand with discretion and biblical propriety what is going on in his life since he's not regularly, consistently intimate with his wife. This distortion of masturbation makes it possible for the masturbator to have a—it a, makes it impossible, I'm sorry— 
for him to have a healthy sexual relationship with his spouse, assuming that the person is married. The masturbator has a distorted view of God, the original purpose of the human body for intimacy, and the other-centered goals of the gospel. You read this in 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Paul said this, For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. God-centered and God-glorifying sex is not about satisfying yourself primarily, but about pleasing your spouse primarily. The masturbator does not have his spouse in view at all. An additional and complicating issue with masturbation is that the masturbator has to distort his conscience to maintain his secret lifestyle, which has four debilitating results. One, he has a distorted view of God. Two, he has a distorted view of himself. Three, he has a distorted view of marriage. And number four, he has a distorted view of his wife. And when your conscience becomes that dull, this distortion will kick in. And, and the problems from there can only get worse without the potent and intervening power of the gospel. Another sexual distortion, as you might imagine, is pornography. It's challenging to counsel the pornographer. Because many of these previously mentioned distortions that I've already laid out for you are, are part of the problem. And that's why I, I separated pornography out. But pornography typically is connected to such things like masturbation. And to complicate matters, he won't acknowledge all of these issues because of his hard conscience. His mind is dull to the inner voice that can direct him to the truth. Sadly, many married pornographers use their addiction to motivate themselves to have intimacy with their spouse. His real wife can never compete with all his false wives on the Internet. She may never know what is happening, and there will never be complete intimate pleasure in their relationship if this continues. Just as a gay person loses interest in the opposite sex, the masturbator will slowly lose interest in his wife. She will no longer be appealing to him, which will jeopardize their covenant. Now, if you want more information on this problem, I have links here for pornography and addictions. You can click on both of those under this section here. You can click on either one or both of those links, and it will take you to our pornography resources and also to our addiction resources. And so I have been taking a tour of some, not all, biblical distortions. I talked about homosexuality, adultery, fornication, masturbation, pornography, the question is, what about Biff? It would not be surprising to find out that Biff has habituated himself in one of these sexual distortions. It is one reason you want to give some credence to the possibility of his overt selfishness regarding sex and how he seeks to manipulate his wife for intimacy. Biff is a user, not a giver. Users are notorious for many forms of selfishness, and when it comes to selfish sex... Porn is the most comfortable and private way to get a, a sexual fix on. But his cravings do not isolate to this one area. Selfish, selfishness is never that contained. You will see 
other selfish manifestations outside the bedroom. For example, he does not biblically lead, serve, honor, cherish, nourish, or disciple his wife. He probably has convinced himself that he loves his wife correctly. And if you track back far enough into his childhood, more than likely he was not shepherded well by his father. Without making excuses for him, don't go there. But a man cannot know what he does not know, and if his dad does not do well in training Biffy, then that will be one powerful, adverse, shaping influence. It is on dads to lead their sons and their daughters, but in this case, to leave their, lead their sons in the ways of a woman. If that does not happen, these young men will marry, and their primary tutoring will come from the culture, movies, television shows, and whatever the poor example was in their homes. Where does all this leave Mabel? From her perspective, she feels like a Christian prostitute, as she has already stated. She sees her sexual purpose and Christian duty as meeting Bill's needs whenever he wants intimacy. Rather than two people enjoying spirit-empowered, grace-filled sexual intimacy, their marriage is profoundly off-center when it comes to their physical relationship. Biff and Mabel could be Christians. You don't want to discount that possibility. At best, they have marginalized the Lord because their covenant is nowhere near God-centered. They coexist in a semi-relational marriage, there is an unstated, low-grade discontentment that rides just underneath who they present themselves to be. Many times, couples stay in this type of marriage because it is, quote, the right thing to do. Sometimes they stay, quote, for the children's sake or to save face. Perhaps the wife has been married so long that to be single again is more horrifying than staying with this kind of person. At best, both of them resign to a life of mental, emotional, and, and spiritual drudgery. The best sex is a tree, threefold relationship between a man and a woman and the Spirit of God. It is more than a physical intimacy because they want to respond to God by aggressively serving each other in their sanctification. And this kind of intimacy always starts outside the bedroom. They genuinely love God and they like each other. You perceive this by the way that they talk to each other, talk about each other, how they react to each other. They are indeed one flesh in every sense of the word. Their oneness bleeds through everything. Their marriage, their parenting, their finances, their fitness, their thoughts, their desires, their goals, their hopes, their failures, their life, their dreams, their ideas, their laughter, and much, much more. Biblical one flesh living does not mean they agree on anything. I merely say agree on everything. I'm merely saying they are one, though uniquely different. Adam and Eve were not the same, but they complemented each other perfectly. Lucia and I have different views on many things, but we are determined to mature in one fleshness. She likes butter. I do not. 
She loves the ocean. It's not that big of a deal to me. The beauty of one flesh living is that we enjoy each other and are especially glad we are different, which only maximizes our oneness to its most significant potential. Christ and the church are way different from each other, but we make a beautiful one. Physical intimacy is a natural, reasonable, biblical extension of the continuation of a couple's one flesh living. It's best friends having sex. It's glorious. It's the threefold crowning, intimate, vulnerable, transparent, interlocking manifestation of a friendship ordained by God, empowered by God, and blessed by God. It is the most potent and most physical way two people can express gratitude for each other. It is simultaneously a miracle and a blessing from God that he can take two sinners and transform them into the highest form of spiritual, physical intimacy known to humanity. No relationship begins the way that I have just described, but it should be the goal that both partners must know, must discuss, must pray toward fulfilling. In time, through perseverance, repentance, the help of friends, and the grace of God, they can enjoy a biblical, comprehensive one fleshness. If you struggle with sexuality with your spouse, my appeal to you is to seek help. If we can guide you in any way, let us know. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.